Welcome to JMPS. You're here today because you want to learn, you want to be inspired, and you want to feel empowered. What better way to do so than getting first-hand insights from professionals who once sat in your seats and stood in your shoes? Today's guest is a businessman who is known to be a content godfather. After graduating from Concordia University with a major in finance, he worked at Askman as a writer, spokesperson, interviewer, where he generated $8 million in advertising sales, wrote over a thousand articles and got the chance to interview celebrities like Joe Montana and Hugh Hefner. After a few merges with IGN Entertainment, he did not have much work left to do. The entrepreneurial spirit kicked off and he decided to start a digital media company on Google, WatchMojo. Today, WatchMojo has roughly 25 million subscribers who spend about 2 billion minutes per month watching their videos. So despite running his very successful business, he's the author of three books. One, The 10-Year Overnight Success. Two, Course to Success, and three, The Confessions of Alexander the Great. He's the winner of the 2015 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year in the media category, and he's a moderator and panelist at streaming media conferences. So please, without any further ado, I welcome you, the founder and CEO, Ashkan Karbisfushan. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Okay, so you studied finance at Concordia University with the hopes of working in mergers and acquisitions or as an investment banker. I mean, what kind of steered you away from that path and led you to begin WatchMojo? Great question. Um, I mean, so between WatchMojo and the Concordia studies, I was at AskMan, and even before AskMan, I was at MoMA. The truth is, sometimes students say they want to do something and not know what it entails. I actually had a vaguely good idea of what mergers and acquisitions work would be like. But the reality was, you know, I was a pretty good student, but I wasn't the top student. And as much as Concordia today, the John Wilson School of Business is a fantastic brand, at the time it wasn't like the top banks were going to reach out an Iranian, Canadian, born Muslim named Ashkan Karbasrushan. Um, so it just, I wasn't getting any traction, to, to be honest with you. And what happened was, alternatively, there was a startup called Mama based in Montreal. I was one of the first search engines experiencing some degrees of success before the dot-com bubble burst that reached out to me before Y2K in late 99 and asked me if I wanted to join their, their accounting department. And I was like, accounting? I don't want to do accounting. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but long story short, interviewed with them and I'd been reading Business Week and Fortune and, and you know, Entrepreneur Magazine and Fast Company and Red Herring and all these different magazines. And I knew that, well, this was the future. So I got more and more drawn into Mama and I did a number of interviews, but nobody actually wanted to hire me because I think most of them just felt that I was too ambitious and that I was very driven and that I wouldn't be loyal enough to stay. But then ended up getting uh, in at Mama. And long story short, I realized I loved working in startups, but Mama was ultimately a tech company. And I realized I was more into media. And it shouldn't have been surprising because I was following and analyzing media companies when I thought I would either go on M&A or work as a finance analyst. I mean, that's the, that's the sector I would have picked, media. So once I was in the media company at, at Ask Men, I realized I had this passion for content. And it all came together. I realized all these years I was more or less a storyteller, writing. As much as I used to say I hated essays, when I looked back, I was like, my God, you were like an you know, you were writing quite a bit. So as you alluded to at Ask Man, I was both uh, vice president of sales, interviewer, spokesperson, but I developed this passion for writing and writing business, management, sports, uh, entertainment, relationship advice. You know, here I was 21, uh, giving <laughs> dating advice to men in North America. And, you know, whether it was that or entertainment, I started to write a lot of top 10 lists and other things, I wrote my first two books while there. And then when when the time came 
in 2005, I knew my time as an executive or as an entrepreneur was over. I just had the entrepreneurial bug. I had just recently been married, no kids. It just made sense to start. And when we started Watch Mojo, it really seemed like it was, you know, we were late to the game. But because I had a non-competition agreement saying I couldn't launch an online magazine, we started Watch Mojo to produce videos. And I could sense that the world was moving towards video storytelling. So we wanted to have a video on every topic. We wanted to have a video on watches and phones and, you know, Alexander the Great and the Seven Wonders of the World and Batman and how to make coffee. You know, I just felt like every web page on every topic would have a video. And we started Watch Mojo and that was 2006 and we realized, my God, we're not late. We're so early. Wow. It was like there was no industry to support it. Uh, YouTube had launched around the same time. And it took a while to figure it out, but that's kind of how it came to be. Wow, it's really cool how you were able to envision where the future was heading in terms of the media industry. But it's so interesting to see how YouTube was launching at around the same time, kind of worked in your favor. But now what I'm really curious to know is what, when you were starting Watch Mojo, what were some of the main struggles you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, so startups are really hard because you're, you're inclined to think that everything is quick, successful overnight. You know, and success is, is three things. It's fluid, meaning it changes. It's subjective, meaning what, what it defines at one point or what it defines for one person is different than what it means for someone else. Um, and, and it's relative. We compare it relative to previous success we've had and what our neighbors is, right? So for me, the harsh realization that, you know, even Ask Men was small in some ways, but if I was the VP of sales and I reached through Ask Men 5 million men a month and it was a big lifestyle brand, I realized that I may not care about power, but that gave you a certain amount of power, but your power was rooted in your position. And if you don't have that position anymore, other people may respect you because of your accomplishments or your character or your intelligence or your whatever, but you're, you're kind of out of luck. You're back to square one. You have to almost build up your reputation again. So it was, you know, lonely, cold, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to literally start from scratch. And I think that's fundamentally the issue you realize there's so much more that goes into becoming successful and it takes so long that it's really hard to persevere and stick to it. Um, I would say the first few years of starting a business then, when there was even less infrastructure, less investors, less everything, was, was some of the hardest and the best times of my life. It was hard and good at the same time. Looking back, it was great and it was horrible in, in many ways, but it was all part of, you know, what kind of explains the path that leads you to where you are at a given point. That's what I tend to hear a lot from other entrepreneurs I've interviewed as well. You know, starting off with not much and the only thing that you have is your transferable skills that you may have acquired from other jobs and uh, you know, taking that leap of faith which may be a hit or a miss. I remember even watching an interview online on YouTube and you were describing uh, your six factors of success. And it kind of relates to the, like, the struggles you were talking about, you know, it's going to be lonely and dark but you got to push through. And uh, then the six main factors were like, one, you need ambition, you need vision, execution, persistence, timing, and even luck. I feel that many people nowadays, they kind of avoid the notion of luck and they attribute, no, it's my hard work. You know, there, there's no such thing as luck. But I find it amazing how you kind of like verbally express it. There is luck involved. I'm just curious to know why you say that and how has luck played a factor in your life? Sure. I mean, look, I'm a very lucky guy in, in the sense, one, is I was born in Iran in 1978. Six months later, there's a revolution, and a couple of years later, there's a war. And somehow I'm sitting in Montreal with a lovely wife, two kids, and, you know, a business that I love that's profitable. 
mean, right there, if you don't think luck went into that, is you're like you're delusional. So you know what I mean? Just yeah. grand scheme of things. That's one. Two, even tactically, um, there's a lot. I mean, when I left Ask Men, I've touched on this, and it's like water under the bridge. But you know, News Corp and IGN and Ask Men sued me claiming uh, in a frivolous uh, lawsuit that I was violating my non-competition agreement, which I wasn't. There was absolutely a lot of intelligence, power of persuasion, planning and thought that went into the defense and the successful you know, litigation that ensued for a year. But for me to sit here in hindsight and say there was no luck involved again doesn't make sense. At every moment there was luck. I was lucky that the first day we went, the judge said, ah, eh, this kid hasn't had enough time, come back. And that bought me a weekend. And I was lucky that my father-in-law mentioned a lawyer who was an injunction specialist. So I could kind of get inside the mind of an injunction guru. It was luck that I represented the company, but technically the, the, the petitioners could have said, well, he can't represent the company, go get an actual lawyer and I would have run out of money. It was lucky that I, was able to stand up and speak you know so even just in one incident there was a lot of luck there was a lot of luck in being at the right place at the right time which is also timing like we we focused on youtube at the right time and luck and timing absolutely go together um you know so so i think luck is something that you do have to be a little bit confident to admit goes into things um, but I feel like if you if you ignore the power of luck, you're probably not a very candid person because um, you, you don't actually control everything. And so, in order to succeed, sometimes the odd, you know, the, the, the concept of a lucky bounce in sports that's luck, basically. First off, congratulations on coming here as an immigrant, getting educated, and becoming such a successful entrepreneur. Thank you. And, and I have to agree with what you said about luck. I mean, I, there's a lot of hard work and persistence that is involved, but there are definitely external factors that, that you can't control whether they work in your favor or not. Would you think that people who want to start YouTube now, do you think it's too late? I know you were telling me before, you know, how it's like, you know, you guys got in at the right time. Do you think right now it's too late? I mean, I would never say it's too late. I would just say that the odds of success are lower now than they ever were. And if you were way too early, the odds of success were also very low because you were too early. So there was an element of luck and timing and a lot of lucky bounces and stars aligning for you to get success on any platform in anything. Um, you know, I sometimes say a hockey player is lucky if there's nobody else in the draft year um, that is going to be better than them. So they get drafted better, they sign a better contract, but sometimes you're unlucky because you go to a bad team. You know what I mean? So luck manifests itself in every way. But to your, to your fundamental question, I think YouTube is a, is a great platform. If you look right right now, YouTube is under siege. You got the EU attacking it for a number of things. You have the President of the United States attacking meritlessly, perhaps, for a number of things. Um, you have all this issue of uh, fake news and uh, censorship. and So I just think right now, YouTube is a particular beast. If you were going to start a storytelling business, is YouTube the best place? I think YouTube is an important piece of the puzzle, but there's probably places with less clutter, mm -hmm. which just mean you have less competition. You know, But right. YouTube is a formidable website. and. I attribute a lot of Watch Mojo's success to YouTube. It wasn't easy, but again, to think that we could have built what we did without YouTube is, is probably not sincere. Perfect. I feel like every time you're speaking, you come with so much knowledge and so much background. It's amazing. I'm just curious to know, like when you were growing up, like who were some of the main models you used to look up to? Myself, I was look up to Elon Musk and you know Bill Gates and uh, 
and a number of other people. Who are, who are your main models? I, I would say, I, look, to these days, entrepreneurship and business people have become more uh, widely accepted models. There's more people that realize they may not even need school to complete their degrees to go into the field. So the whole, what the role or the presence of business people is a bit more at the forefront, and that's good. Net-net, the skills you need in business are fundamentally good ones. And if you use that for good, it's a good field to be in, right? But I also think it's a bit dangerous to just base your role models on business people. The same way it's bad to just base your role models on athletes or musicians or actors. You know, so personally growing up, I would say it was, there was a wide array of people that I looked up to. And it's because I read a lot. I thought I never re re read, but I didn't read books. I read a lot of articles. I read literally encyclopedias. You know, I had this wide knowledge and I knew a lot about history and whatnot. So were there people in business that I looked up to? Absolutely. Older in my life, I'm not saying I would agree with everything that this gentleman says, but growing up when I was in business school, I kind of read up about Jack Welch. Mm -hmm. He was deemed as one of the top uh, executives of the century and I felt there were things about his views on people and competition that resonated with me. Historically, I, I thought Alexander the Great was an interesting character, but that actually led me to realize Cyrus the Great was a more um, you know, better role model, so to speak, mm -hmm. because he wasn't as extreme as uh, Alexander. Um, you know, I think we all are inspired and influenced to some extent by family members. You know, so my father, my mother, my older brother did things that I kind of was like, it's interesting. And as much as they had success, I would say they also did things that I said, hey, I realized despite their intention or their game plan, this thing that they did with family or with business backfired and I want to avoid those mistakes, right? So I think to really be good, you have to kind of take, and then, you know, growing up as a big sports and entertainment fan, you know, there were also absolutely, um, you know, certain entertainers that I felt stayed very grounded when they had success. And that to me was always a turn on. I was like, it's really great. I'd much rather be a fan of an athlete or a, you know, musician who is humble and doesn't let success, fame, wealth get to their head. I just felt there was a certain amount of um, you know, character and you know, genuineness that I, I just felt like, hey, if I'm ever lucky enough to have any degree of success, I don't want to forget that, you know, just because somebody may be less fortunate in the more material senses mm -hmm. of the word doesn't mean that they're any less smart or have good ideas. You know, I sometimes say, and even saying this, I realize it's not good. I sometimes say, I, I'd like to respect the janitor of an organization as much as I would respect the, the CEO. And the truth is, why is that even a weird thing to say? Because it's highly possible that maybe the CEO, you know, had to at some points in his career not show only character and integrity, but maybe had to do things that lacked credibility or integrity yeah. to advance. So you kind of have to realize that you don't want to judge people who are less fortunate because maybe they didn't have the luck or maybe they couldn't make some of the sacrifices or they, they had to make certain decisions that held them back. So, so yeah, so I would say I have a lot of influences. My first book is literally, it doesn't, it purposely never uses the word I, but it basically tells you what I think somebody should do to be successful, but it looks at like three, 400 other successful people. And it's just, it's a stream of consciousness story of people in sports, military, business, history, and all that, who kind of did the right thing in different settings and which there's a little bit of a story for, for the reader. Wow, that was super inspiring. I mean, you really shifted my perception of what it means to be a really good role model and how you can be inspired by people from any any industry as long as your core values aligns with theirs. I also really love the way you think. I mean, it's so great to see how 
you not only define success by one's you know monetary value or how much how wealthy they are but really of one's character and the contribution that they can make in society okay last question so if you were to give one piece of advice to a university student what would it be i mean i think to not just a university student but i would say it's kind of two sides of the same coin. One is be aware of all the opportunities that are around you. I, I think fundamentally, there's if you open your blinders, you're probably going to see that there's a lot more out there. But the flip side is also enjoy where you are at in a given point. Fundamentally, my takeaway is I should have enjoyed every day a bit more and spent less time worrying about tomorrow. I feel mm. like in the end, when you're worrying about tomorrow, it's good to plan to some extent because you've got to be aware of possible risks and opportunities. But you can't also overthink it and you, you want to just enjoy the moment you're in. And that's a constant struggle. To this day, um, you saw, you were setting up for the interview, I was still doing five things. Yeah. You know, like it's important to put the phone down, put the computer down, focus on the conversation, the experience you're having. So it's, it's, it's those two sides of what I think is the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the saying, uh, you know, the one, it's like you have to keep your destination in mind, but you have to enjoy the process and the journey to get there while learning from your past, all while having a clear vision and the direction of where you want to go. I think it's healthier not to dwell on the past, but I also feel like that people don't actually analyze the past. Mm. It's like I, numerous times during the day, look back at decisions I made in the past and analyze them. Not a question of regret, not a question of, you know, wasting your time mentally. But candidly, if you had different information, more information, how would you have made the same decision? How would you have made it differently? Going forward, when you're presented with a similar opportunity fork in the road, given what you know now, how would you make it? And I feel that's not a question of regret. That's just a question of like practice and education, right? So I also feel like, yeah, like the future is great, but if you focus on right now, basing it on every decision that you found yourself in in the past, you'll just probably have a better future. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I absolutely agree. I think we should learn from our mistakes and also from other mistakes so that we can make well-informed decisions for the future. And uh, that's about it. All right, guys, thank you everyone for listening to this episode with Ashcam. Be sure to check out Watch Mojo where you'll be sure to find videos that may interest you. Till next time.